But the big thing about the cashless society is they can trace you every step, every place you go, because you couldn't get an ice cream cone without plastic. And they can and already that do that means with control. And that means control. Yeah. And we and we and we often forget when we talk about control by the government, or we talk about control by the economic elites, or the oligarchs, or control by 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 big business, or whatever the case may be, controlled by the politicians, controlled by the military. Those terms, government, politicians, military, et cetera, et cetera, those are sociological terms. What it means is those terms are, in fact, not controlling anything. What is controlling, because they have no center of personality in which to make decisions, they have no will. What is controlling is the people who act under that auspices of government, military, whatever the case may, the individuals. And those individuals, whoever they are, wherever they are, Russia, the United States, and so forth, are universally subject to the same consequences of original sin as anyone else. And they can have all this information about John Jones and that's fine, but they themselves are subject to the seven capital sins, hatred, revenge, anger, as well as all the other physical stuff. So by saying it's the state that does it or the military that does it, uh-uh, the state and the military are just sociological terms for what is the real entity doing anything, and that's the individual person making decisions. We, in handing your privacy over to the state, you are handing it over to maybe 50 million people individually to look at it. As one, as one guy told me who worked for an insurance company, an executive insurance company just years ago, he said, I can find out anything I want about anyone's medical records. And I said, sure, of course he can. Of course he can. And he can use it to blackmail. And he can use it. Anyway, all I'm saying is, is that, is that controlling people through the state or through state operations and so forth is not about the state of the military or anyone else. It's about handing privacy, your private life over to people who are no better or no worse than you are and who are subject to all kinds of vicissitudes that the human condition subjects us to. Some guy gets out of bed in the morning, has a bad morning with his wife or his husband, and goes out to the and and and, and goes out to work for the IRS. And God help the first person that comes in. You know. So. You know, this is why this is why I so I love you, Charlie, and I've I've always just listened to every word you say because I feel like there are no other. Catholic spiritual leaders who speak like this. All I hear from the bishops and my my priests is this constant like obeisance and complicity and cooperation with whatever those in power are saying at the time. And I feel like this is what I'm witnessing now from the Catholic Church. I'm not hearing any of this. I'm not hearing, I'm not seeing any pushback. I'm not seeing any independence of thought, any critical, critical, rational. Uh, look at what's happening in society. They're all just going along with it. And they're providing no counter 
perspective, no, no other views. And it's just, it honestly, it just sickens me. I'm like, what's with you guys? Like, it's like you just accept what you hear on NPR or CNN or Counterpunch or Fox News and just go with it. Um, and it just, it really upsets me. So it's like, I'm so, I'm always so happy to hear like a spiritual leader who can kind of see through, I don't know, the matrix or whatever. Well, you, you know, know what I mean? You know, Ellen, I mean, we're talking about the coronavirus 19 now, but in terms of what you're saying, tomorrow, March 19th, will be the beginning of the war that is going on to this day. Iraq 2. Going on to this day. The bombing started. Uh, that would be, uh, what, 17 years ago tomorrow. Yeah, and actually on Friday, I'm having an interview with um, Mark Sibilia Carver about the CatholicCostOfWar.org. Oh, yeah. That's so I've been good. thinking about this. Uh, the just Yeah, but, but go ahead. But you don't look at all the deaths. Look at all the maimings. No, not not only have American soldiers and American boys and girls have gone over there to to kill because Bush or Obama or Trump sent them over there and they took the orders and went. And 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 uh, but all the people in Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Libya, all of whom been torn apart, killed, families, on and on. How many millions upon millions of people? have been thrown into misery by, by the killing of people there, by the killing of people, by people here, United States, 7,000 miles away, who send their soldiers, their smart bombs, their, their drones, their, their B-52s, their fighter jets, all in there to decapitate, to maim, to destroy and not a word from the Catholic bishops of the United States in 17 years that this is evil and that their people cannot go to it because it is radical evil. Not a word. 17 years. Yeah. So the fact they're not saying anything about the coronavirus except we'll close the churches down, the masses down, and everything else. No, that, 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 for, no. It, that's minor compared to what they've been doing for the last 17 years with, 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 with this catastrophic destruction of human life in the Middle East. Yeah, and I've, I've been hearing a lot about the, you know, the situation with China and Pope Francis, and I guess I don't understand all of it, but it sounds like there was something called a, the Patriotic Church in China, which was basically a Catholic church, that was a, but it was, it was controlled by the communist Chinese government. And then there was an underground Catholic church. Um, and the the old patriotic church was basically like the bishops were appointed by the communist officials. And they told their people, hey, you want a Catholic church? We'll give you one. But it's going to be our guys that are going to be running it. And the crucifix on in the churches is going to be replaced with the Chinese flag. And it's all going to be about the state. And then you're going to have the underground church, which is going to be more the the the, the renegades, the, the people who are loyal to Rome over the people who are loyal to China. And I've been reading, like thinking a little bit about this, and it seems to me we have something like that here. We have the patriotic church of America, 
which is the bishops who basically bow to the government at every turn and do whatever they say and never question them, never push back. And it seems to me it's like, granted, you know, President Trump can't appoint American bishops. Okay, granted. But there seems to be something of the same effect in the long run, where you have a complete complicity between the United States Catholic Church and the United States government. Well, what do you think about that? Of course you do. Of course you do. And um, and while President Trump Trump cannot appoint Catholic bishops, any president of the United States can just communicate with the apostolic nuncio that they don't want this guy being a bishop. Or to get to or, or straighten them out. And the example of that is Bishop Hunthausen out in Washington, who called the nuclear fleet in um, in the harbor there, uh, the nuclear submarine fleet, uh, an Auschwitz waiting to happen, and told and said he wasn't going to pay taxes for that. And it was only a matter of weeks before the uh, Secretary of State went down the Apostolic Nuncio, and the Apostolic Nuncio told Rome that Secretary of State didn't want it. And lo and behold, lo and behold, uh, Hunthausen was notified by the Catholic Bishop, by, by, the, by the Curia that he that he would be he could remain as the bishop, but. He would have no power except to ordain. They were sending a, uh, they were sending a, a bishop from Rome to actually run the diocese, and that he was under investigation for uh, liturgical um, abnormalities. Wait. Uh, so, what is the papal? A question from the plebe here. What is the papal nuncio like? What is that? The papal, yeah, not 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 uh, the, pap, the papal nuncio is a gimmick. Uh, since since. Uh, it's it's the Vatican ambassador to the United States. He has all diplomatic power. It's just a name. He has all the diplomatic, all the diplomatic uh, powers, and rights and protections of an ambassador from any country in the world to the United States, which are total. And he's the ambassador from the Vatican City State, which is officially a nation state, to the United States. His contact is directly back to the Curia. He. He responds only to the courier in, in Rome. He he is not he does not respond to any American bishop or anything else. But if people want something done from the top level, that's where they go because he can go right back to Rome and get it done. So that's the that's the ambassador the 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 apostolic nuncio in the United States. He's the he is tech he is the the ambassador by another name. So when Bishop Hunthausen did this. He kind of got reprimanded for oh, it. Oh, kind of. They took his diocese away from him. And then and then they began investigating him for liturgical dance and for all kinds of things that were being thrown up in the right-wing Catholic press about uh, uh, about all the kinds of abnormalities. Never sexual abuse, huh? Uh, and, uh, and and so that he was he, he was he's ruined. He absolutely ruined by innuendo and so forth and so on. And of course, if the Pope takes you out of your job and, and fine, he'll let you ordain priest and give confirmation. But if he has someone else running the job, this bishop he sent from Rome by the name of Whirl, well, by golly, then, then something's really wrong with you. 
Well, is this anyway, the world that ended up in Chicago? This is the world that ended up as Cardinal Archbishop of Washington. At any rate, at any rate, this became so upsetting. It's one of the few times the American bishops became upset about anything, but I think they could see the handwriting on the wall uh, in terms Charlie, of... Charlie, what year was this? Oh, gosh, what year was this? When was... This is way back. This is way back. John Paul II was Pope. And, um, okay, John Paul II was Pope. And um, the Secretary of State of the United States was uh, James, James, uh, because he's the one that went down to the Papal Nuncio's office to talk to him on this. Can't remember, famous, famous politician in, in Washington. This would have been back, uh, like it 80s. seems to be in the late 80s, early 90s, maybe. Okay, and can you just say one more time, what exactly did Hunthausen do that was so... Hunthausen, Hunthausen, Hunthausen more and more became upset with the fact that the nuclear submarine base was in his diocese on the West Coast. Nuclear submarines. Oh, and bishops are just supposed to overlook that and completely... Right, even though, even though Catholics are half or a third of the population of them running these things, right? Okay. So so he's, he referred to them as as something like uh, Auschwitz's radi- waiting to happen. You know, at that time, I think they were all armed with myrrh of nuclear weapons, which meant they were all armed with nuclear weapons that had multiple um, multiple heads on them, up to 20 heads on them that could uh, spray nuclear nuclear bombs all over where they land for hundreds of miles. At any rate, he called it a, a waiting Auschwitz waiting to happen or something like that. Uh-huh. He, okay. But he also said he was withholding taxes. And that's when, geez, I'm saying James McFarlane, but that's not it. Now, I'll think of it after I get off. Who was Secretary of State under Reagan. And anyway. So uh, he wasn't going to file his taxes that year? Because- uh, he, he was, no, I think what he said was he was going to take the part that went to nuclear weapons and send it to a humanitarian fund. Ah, okay. Well, anyway, it, it, it's not that they care about a few dollars. What they cared about was the message he was sending. The message he was sending. Yeah. And you can't have uh, Catholics trying to follow that kind of an example. Uh, that would be terrible. And that's why they went to Rome and Rome clamped down on them and actually crushed them. Well, to, just, just to finish the story, as this thing went, as this thing went through, uh, it's one bad stage after another and one thing after another. Uh, and he was being pilloried in Catholic press and the secular press and uh, but right-wing stuff. And, uh, and of course, you never win an argument against the press because they, they, they got a daily, you know, access to, to thousands or millions of minds. Well, anyway, at some point, the American bishops decided that this, this thing that was going on with Rome and Bishop Hunthausen, Archbishop Hunthausen, was a threat to them. I don't know exactly, I can see how. So what they decided was they, the American Catholic bishops, would form a commission to investigate Hunthausen 
to see which of these uh, uh, which of these accusations were true and which of them were not true and whether he should be whether he should have had his his administrative duties as archbishop removed from him or whether not and so they investigated it and the head of that investigation was cardinal john o'connor of new york who was in tight with Paul John Paul II, and he was, you know, everything, ex-military chaplain, all that. And they came to the conclusion that Hunthausen did nothing. Nothing. They they never said anything about what he said about Auschwitz of the, uh, you know, and never said anything about the tax. This was all. They went after something else. The bishops concluded that Hunthausen did nothing as an archbishop. That was not perfectly acceptable. In fact, he was an exemplary archbishop. And they send that on to Rome with the with the suggestion that all this all things be removed from his record that were negative. Which they did. And Rome oh, they did. They, Rome restored them. And that's and, good. And world went on to be, I think. Uh, Bishop of Pittsburgh and then Cardinal Lodge Bishop of, of, of Washington, D.C. And um, and then eventually soon after that, I, soon, soon after that, uh, I think Hunthausen got cancer and he retired. And But he but, but he lived. He, he, he went and I guess he went out to Montana where he grew up and so forth and lived till he was 95. I You know, I remember when I couple few years ago I, I i had him on my list of top 10 people that i wanted to interview but i think he just died a, a couple of few years ago maybe. So just just recently yeah within the year maybe something two years maybe yeah he was always somebody i wanted to to talk yeah. to um yeah but, yeah he said, i i yeah he was he was a very very good man it seemed like a very good man very genuine archbishop priest that sort of business there uh, no personal accusations against them of any kind, you know. But anyway, the reason I say that because it's become kind of a, it's it's be, his name, Hunthausen. It's become kind of a, a generic term for when bishops or the state goes after someone in the Catholic Church for something they did politically, but they can't raise it that way. They try to go after it in terms of something he did theologically or liturgically or something like that. He's being Hunthausen, never mentioning the real reason they're going after him. Was, which was that he displeased the U.S. government by speaking out against uh, in, the in, nuclear right. warfare. And, and in displeasing the U.S. government at that level, he was displeasing, he was displeasing the courier in Rome, who know darn right well that the U.S. government gives the Catholic Church in various forms billions of dollars a year. Right. Get back to coronavirus. I, I think by now, Ellen, let's see, it's well, how many times? I think by now you probably have not 380 viruses all over you, but you probably have 400 trillion viruses all over you. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's later <laughs> in the day, you know? Later well, double, double that because, you know, working from home, uh, you know, those of you who work from home might know you don't shower every morning. Why? You're not going to see anybody. <laughs> oh God! Oh, so now it could be like 97 billion trillion or something. I don't oh, know. Gosh. <laughs> you're, you're a regular zoo for yeah. viruses. 
Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I can even talk to you over the computer if you don't shower every day. I know. Um, you know? Didn't you ever hear that cleanliness is next to godliness? You, 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 you've got to. You Now, this is just marital advice from someone who's been married for 53 years. You have to. You have to keep yourself. Keep. Keep yourself calmly, at least. No, no, Charlie. When you would get home, would Ma would Mary have a hot meal on the table and it, and her have her hair done and in her heels and like oh no, no scotch no, or no. whatever. Like, did, did that all happen? No, no. But she took a shower every day. <laughs> <laughs> I do shower. I'm kidding. I shower every day. Um, but oh you know, no, we, you're just trying. You're making that up now just to impress the audience. They can see that. <laughs> I'm just saying when you work from home, it's a different ball game sometimes, you know, and it's like, that's, and that's part of the social engineering that's going on. What do you mean? Getting people to, to work on computers from home, to teach, to be in the office. It's part of the social engineering that's going on. This, uh, oh, coronavirus 19 cars and emitting carbon dioxide. It, that's right. Everything, everything is being changed. Ellen, believe me. And once, and once things are normalized out under, under the crises, huh? Once things are normalized, then they become almost impossible to go back to the way it was. It's just, yeah. So you kind of think there's like a big plan here. Oh, yes, there is. No, at least that's my feeling. That my feeling is. Now, now by the way, as far as I'm concerned, one, one Romans 13 is fine. It says obey civil authorities, you know? And so if civil authorities tell you to drive on the right-hand side of the road rather than the left-hand side of the road, that's fine with me, or left rather than right, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with obeying civil authorities. Now, of course, you can't obey them if they tell you to go out and kill six million Jews. Right. And by the way, just parenthetically, which your audience may not know, Hitler didn't do a single illegal thing. While he was while while he was head of Germany, not one illegal act. They couldn't, not he or his lieutenants, not Goering, not anyone else. Everything had been made law that he did, and that's why the Nuremberg War Trials had had had, had to invent that terrible standard of crimes against humanity. Totally arbitrary, no basis whatsoever, never existed before. An ex post facto law, a law made after the fact, which even Colonel, even General Curtis LeMay, who undertook the fire bombings of Japan and and was in, in, in involved with the atomic bombings of Japan, and uh, was on the Joint Chiefs of Staff, you know, at the time of the uh, of the um, uh, Cuba crisis with John F. Kennedy. Uh, he, he was the Air Force member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and wanted to just nuke Cuba. He said himself, General Curtis LeMay said, if the United States hadn't, hadn't won World War II, I would have been executed as a war criminal. Everyone knows that. The, 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 the crimes against humanity standard that was put in there because Hitler made sure he did everything legally, that was put in there because because they, they he did nothing illegal. They had to make something up. 
what are crimes against humanity? What is the United States doing over in, in, in Iraq and in Afghanistan and Syria? What, what are they doing? What were they doing in Vietnam? Are those crimes against you? Of course. What I'm saying is, is, is uh, the victor judges what a crime is against humanity. It's, it's, uh, so, so I think that it's very important to, first of all, recognize one, Romans 13, obey civil authorities. That's fine. If they, if, if, if they want you to stay off the streets because of the virus, that's fine. Whether you, that's their judgment, now stay off the street. I'll ride on the right-hand side of the road. But if they want you to do something that is contrary to the gospel, at that point there, about, that's, that's where the, um, the rubber hits the road as to whether you're going to follow, follow Jesus or follow Hitler or Trump or whatever. You know, it's, it's just, it's hard now because I think back to everything that's happened in our country since 9-11 and questioning these things. It's like, for example, vaccines. I've heard that a lot of people think that COVID-19 coronavirus was unleashed to make everyone afraid so that we would subject ourselves to kind of these universal vaccines with God only knows what's in them. Um and so you think about something like vaccines, you know, you can't necessarily make a good argument that vaccines are either in compliance with or against the gospel. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's hard that with a lot or, or you go to the airport and they take a picture of your naked body. Basically, every time we go through the TSA, we're getting a we're getting the biometrics kind of image taken of our body, um, you know, to me, that's always really bothered me um, that we allow ourselves to be photographed like that for, quote, security purposes. But it's like I feel like things are just kind of getting to the point where it's hard to even know anymore. Like, what does the this it does this relate to Christianity um, or is it something that we need to address? I mean, do you know what I'm saying? It's not always easy to go back to the gospel and be like, well, what would Jesus say about the TSA? Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean, and I do know that even by the standard of the new the new commandment, love one another as I have loved you, you still have to make the personal conscience decision about what does that mean in this situation. Would Jesus do this, or would he do that, or would he not do this, or not do that? And you've got to make it according to to um, a standard of probability that is at least, you know, 50-40, you know, that you, yeah, he do it, or you can't choose that way. But this is part of what's going on with the media. You can't make that decision because they're not giving you the facts. They're not giving you the facts. I have stuff here. I mean, I literally have pages and pages of medical journal stuff here science journal stuff here on the dangers of, of virus, of uh, vaccination to, 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 to little children. There's a real problem. And it's getting out there and it's getting out. But I just read last week, a law has been introduced in the Parliament of England to make it a criminal offense to say that viruses are dangerous. A vaccine, vaccination is dangerous in any form. Yeah, and and you were talking to me just the other night, uh, kind of off the record about 5G, and the harm of 5G, and how that's mm-hmm. not allowed to be out yeah. there. You you if you can't get the facts, you can't make the decision. Okay, 
And the fact is, it's what now. Now, just to give an example of this, the only if you're not going to follow Jesus, if you're Catholic, and you're not going to follow Jesus' teachings of nonviolent love of friends and enemies, which are the teaching in the gospel, and you decide to employ what the church gives as an exception to those teachings, uh, which is the Catholic just war theory. There are several standards to judge whether the war is just or not, both in its inception and in, in, in its execution. If one of those standards is not met, then the war is unjust and you cannot participate in an unjust war because the killing in it is unjust killing and therefore murder, which is a grave intrinsic evil in the Catholic Church. That being the case... I'd say that maybe 90% or 95%, 98% of Catholics who call on the just war theory to defend Catholics going to war and them supporting war have no idea what the standards of the just war theory are in the Catholic Church and have no idea how to apply them because they've never been taught. Or they don't have any facts about the actual war. Now, that's the second part. Yeah. How can you say that you give the government the presumption of truth where there's war involved when everyone knows since Aeschylus, way, way back there, 500 years before Jesus, that truth is the first casualty of war? How can you give the presumption of truth to the government when they start talking about war? When This has been known from the beginning of recorded history what happens with governments once war is on the horizon. Truth goes out the window, and what's said is truth is just what they want to put out there to make their case for going to war. And there's always so, a simultaneous psychological war going on at the same that's time. That's right, all the time. And so what responsibility is there to the Catholic bishop, say, of the United States to get the facts about what's going on and to present them to the people? For example, if you've got if, if 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 you've got a million civilians dead in be, because of the United States bombing and all that stuff over in uh, over in Iraq and Afghanistan, a million civilians dead or maimed, shouldn't the bishops be able to step up and say, "Well, here are the facts. Now we've got to weigh these." This, since since non-combatant immunity is essential to the just war theory and has been since Augustine. This, what what are we going to do here? No, not a word. They make believe that the just war theory is known by the whole Catholic community. And the people in the Pentagon want nothing but the truth and freedom and all that stuff. That's that's how they put it. And they're all standing around. They're they're, they're all standing around uh, shaking and hugging uh, generals and this, that, and the other thing at their annual meetings down in Baltimore at the Marriott Hotel and the as I think I told you, you know, the, the United States military puts on a dinner every Tuesday night that they come to the Baltimore meeting, the second meeting of the year, for all the bishops to come to and to and, and to eat, drink, and be merry in. And but but the point is, but the point is, isn't there a if you're a bishop of a diocese, isn't there a moral responsibility to tell your people 
these are the facts that you have. Here's the theory, and here are the facts that, as we know them at least today. And when you're a bishop in the Catholic Church, you've got access to facts that the media does not want people to hear because you've got access to facts that the, that the intelligence services of the Catholic Church, which is the best in the world, have, and, can, and you can present them. Wait, what? We have intelligence services in the Catholic Church? Oh, sure. Really? I didn't know that. I mean, I'm thinking the bishops probably think it's the media's job to find the facts. That's not my job. But you're well, saying they have it, access it, to information it, 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 that we don't? It's the job to educate the Catholic populace about the facts. But um, uh, let me see who uh, it was. It, it was... Um, the guy that worked in the Vatican, he was Cardinal Bia's uh, secretary, and uh, Cardinal Bia was Pius the uh, Pius the confessor, and uh, M- Malachi Martin. He was a Jesuit priest, smart man, and uh, he he uh, I I know he became disenchanted with the Catholic Church, and I think he went over to to one of those old Roman Catholic churches, etc. Years and years later, after, the, but he writes in one of his books that Russia, China, England, France, Germany, the United States all have the Vatican bugged because the Vatican has the best intelligence service in the world. Because, no way, really? Because it has on-the-ground people who are trusted by the people in the particular territory who talk to them and they relate back to their bishops what's going on, and the bishops relate it back to Rome. It's an intelligence service without portfolio, but it gathers more intelligence about what's going on than, than the CIA, the FBI, the Mossad, or the, the, you know, MI6 or whatever. Wow. So that being the case, the Vatican could tell the bishops. Bishop, the Pope could tell the bishop. Look, inform your people that a million civilians have been killed and maimed by by munitions and people from your country. And lay it out there what the problem is with this in terms of the just war and non-combatant immunity, etc. But that they never bishops never say anything about the facts of the situation. Not a word. And, you know, I was I was reading about I heard in a podcast, it was uh, Monica Perez out of Atlanta. I don't remember all the facts exactly, but basically there was something called like Agenda 2020 or something. And there was an agenda put out by the Davos, who are the 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 Davos camp or some Davos. 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 Some meeting of oligarchs and high powered people or whatever. Out in Switzerland in the city of Davos. Yep. And they, you know, put out these agendas for the year 2020 and and kind of getting the world on board behind whatever you want to call it, the, the globalist plan, the new world order. And one of the things that they needed uh, was the support of faith leaders kind of to instill this authoritarianism in society. They needed to get the religious leaders Without yeah. the religious leaders, they were never going to um, be able to absolutely act their plans. Oh, they they know what they're doing. Yeah, sure they they know what they're doing. All and power. when I read that, I was like, well, that explains why the Catholic Church is this falling in line with yep. closing down masses and sending the exact same message as 
the mainstream media. It, there's no there's no counter perspective. There's no perspective at all. There's no context. There's no other ways of looking at it. Um, it's just it's basically like like the Catholic Church is the mouthpiece for whoever it is that wants something to happen from this virus. There's nothing. There's no. There's nothing else. They're just falling in line completely. Well, remember, remember with this virus now, it's that, it's 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 that. Our present position, people like you and I, ordinary people, our present position is, we have no way of knowing what the truth about it is. There's no way. We got no way of knowing what the truth about it is. All we know is what the government is saying, and that's and what the media is saying, and that's that that that's highly highly suspect because of a history of media and government saying things extremely suspect. Uh, I I don't know if you'd even give it a benefit of credence, uh, a benefit of doubt, you know, but we don't know. But what we do know is now, because the facts are out. We do know what's been going on for 17 years in the Middle East with the United States, sending everything from 18-year-old kids armed with machine guns to drones that require the most sophisticated kinds of technology to destroy people, and they've destroyed them by the millions. We do know that, and therefore, instead of calling, as I would, I would not call the bishops on the virus at this moment in time, although I'll talk about that later, I, I would call the bishops on their support of the murder in the Middle East by, by Catholics, by Catholics sent there by the United States government. And by murder, I don't mean that anyone who's ever gone over there, the 18-year-old kid that goes over there, necessarily sins. Murder is when you know that you're doing an evil, the evil of killing someone unjustly, and you do it. I suspect the vast majority of these kids um, from who, who can't get a job and, you know, they have no idea. They have no idea about that. They just get with the propaganda from the government about what's good and what's evil. And that's it. Yeah. So, no, I think that that the biggest problem, I mean, the coronavirus is the coronavirus is about as far as I can see. Whether it's real or not, and how much of it that, that is real in the sense of its power to destroy people or not, uh, it's a virus, and uh, it's being used by by government and those. And the, there's a difference between government and those who, who run and own corporate media is insignificant. They're the same people. It, it, it's 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 just a, it's the Davos group, if you want to call it that, you know. That's what they are, and uh, and they're going for full spectrum uh, dominance. That's yeah, and I thought I thought there was something off about it from the beginning, but I think it really hit me when, I mean, let's face it, coverage of the Catholic Church in the mainstream press is almost always negative. We hear about sex scandals, uh, you know, defrocked priests, uh, financial scandals. Um, it's almost always negative, and even if you just go watch any movie with a priest or a nun in it, it's going to be negative, a negative portrayal. Um, they're sexually repressed. They're perverts. They're, there's something weird or distraught, you know, disturbing going on. Um, and all of a sudden I see pop up, I think it was in the Washington Post or the New York Times, an article about a nun. And it's like, 
This nun has been practicing social distancing for years. She's going to explain to you how it's done. And she's there with like a basket of vegetables like picked from her garden. And all of a sudden we have positive coverage of a nun um, when it serves their purpose of the whole social distancing narrative. I was like, this is just too bizarre. I don't know if I can handle it. Well, if the Catholic Church wants to be a a uh, non-profit, which it is, corporation, P-R-O-F-I-T, then it is going to have to, then it's going to have to be a non-profit, P-R-O-P-H-E-T organization also. Because the non-profit 5013C is given by the government and it gives them tremendous, gives the Catholic Church tremendous funds by not having to pay all kinds of taxes. But it can be pulled at any minute. It can be pulled, in, and I would suggest to you that it will be pulled and could be pulled, and every bishop knows that and they're taught that, to watch their step in terms of criticizing the government because they could pull this tax break, that tax break, or all tax breaks if they wanted. So if you're going to be a non-profit, P-R-O-F-I-T organization, then you're going to be a non-profit, P-H-E-T organization. But Christians are baptized into being priest, into Christ, being priest, prophet, and king. Once they become a non-profit organization, they're leaving out a major segment of what they should be, the church, the church leaders. Mm, okay, so what do we do as um, Catholics and people who want to follow Jesus and just remain, I don't know, just have the peace of Christ in our hearts? Like we know that our bishops are completely, you know, off the rails with just they're basically a mouthpiece for the government. The media, we can't trust them. They're not going to give us the facts. Our government is all about the business of psychological warfare and lying and God knows what other kind of biological or traditional warfare. So what do we do in the midst of all this? Like, what are we, um, I mean, we can't find the truth or it's very difficult to find the truth or the facts. Um, we don't want to be, you know, irresponsible toward our fellow man by spreading germs or whatever. All, all, all woman, all woman. Hello, oh, man, Mormon. Man. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, yes, some of us will start showering every day instead of. Uh, very good, very good start. But what what do we do? Like, how do we handle this? What what's uh? Do you have any advice for us? I I I'd say, I'd say, um, the best piece of advice I could give to anyone, absolutely anyone, is Christ is risen. That's it. Don't need anything else other than that. Christ is risen. Well, that's very simple. <laughs> I, oh, hey, I laid on the line. I'm not. I'm not here. To, this, this is it. This is the good news. St. Paul says, "If Christ isn't risen, our faith is in vain." It's absolutely right.